back to the Dungeon of Doom. One last episode penned before the summer break, which I think we're both embracing at this point. Not very doomy around Allen Park these days, is it? No, not at all. It's like a happy land for sure. I mean, the Lions aren't buying into all the hype, but I mean, every outside voice and all the most of the local voices, it's it's positive season. It's positive season for sure. Well, they say they're not buying yeah, it. right. Then you've got to read between the lines when, you know, Aaron Glenn goes out there, I don't know, the like first day of the draft and like, hey man, the honeymoon's over. Like that's that's sentiment that has stuck with me. I, I think like we all knew the situation going into last year. This was a team that was in rebuild. I mean, total rebuild mode. There wasn't a spot on the whole roster that looked better than the previous year. And the previous year they won like, what was it? I don't know, three games, four yeah. games. So we all knew the deal last year. And now they souped up the offense with a lot of speed on the perimeter. You know, DJ Chark, Jameson Williams, uh, you know, nine, nine, 10 starters back, depending on how you want to count them with those two guys. And then the investments they have on defense led by Aiden Hutchinson, who we'll get to in just a few. You know, I I, I think they realize like they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they should be better. And I, I think that they, they even they know that even if they're kind of pussyfooting around, you know, some of the love affair that's going on right now with the national media and this team. No, yeah, I, I'll, I'll clarify that. They're saying they're not buying into it for sure. I think I just, the last person I talked, it was Frank Rag now, and he's just like, you've seen what an injury could do and stuff like that. So it's just like, they should be buying into it for sure, because they've made notable improvements where they needed to make them without question. Yeah. And Frank's a, a great example of why this team should be better this year, right? I mean, their, their, their offensive line should be one of the best in the league. It could have been there last year, but if not for injury, those guys are, I mean, largely healthy. Taylor Decker's been limited throughout the offseason program, especially in the last couple of weeks, but it was more, pre pre you know, preventative than anything else. Like he, he's fine. He was even out there doing a lot more in the last day or two of minicamp this week. So, you no, know, I mean, obviously optimism is in the water across the NFL this time of year, Ben, you and I are, have been around long enough to hear it. You know, we felt it before the Lions go out there and they win four games or something. So, you know, you really, you, I mean, I think one of the things that you acquire from doing this job, and this is, I think now nine, Year nine or year ten for me, which makes me an old guy, I guess. But you, you, you start to be able to like maybe read a little bit better through the bullshit. No, you can you can wade through it a little bit better. You, know, you you understand a little bit more about what you're seeing on the field. You can parse the words a little bit better. And I get the read that like you know that this team expects to be better. That they are confident. They see the improvement. There's buy-in. I saw more smiles. Not the smiles when football games, but I saw more smiles on Thursday, the final day of minicamp, than I did in the entire three-year era of Matt Patricia. You know, like just again, smiles don't win football games. But this is a team that I see. It buys into its head coach, buys into the philosophies that are being implemented top down throughout the organization, which maybe wasn't there before. You know, it, the talent itself is better, which is the most important thing. I, I just, I see this team coming together and making really good headway. And, and maybe that's a nice segue into what we want to do today, Ben, which is, you know, again, optimism is flowing throughout the NFL. Every team is, you know, filled with players who are in the best shape of their lives right now. You know, we're used to the coach speak, but... There are some guys who have stood out to our eyes based on, on what we've seen 
and what we've heard throughout the off-season program, uh, not just minicamp, but just these last few weeks with OTAs and rookie minicamp and, and so forth. We've pulled out five guys and my dogs are going crazy right now. I think the mailman's here. So I'm like, <laughs> so we're, we'll, we'll start with that then. And in no particular order, these aren't like ranked or whatever. These are just the five guys that have stood out to, to, to you and I. And I, I think we should start with Aiden Hutchinson, big name, obviously huge expectations. No one's backing down from that, including Aiden Hutchinson, but he so far has looked as advertised, what what have you seen? What have you heard that has impressed you about Aiden Hutchinson thus far at Allen Park? I, I just that he's fit the billing every step of the way. The motor, the the size we talked about a couple of weeks ago is just he's so much bigger than you think. And I mean, I think I think I was talking to Nick Baumgartner, the athletic, and it's just like, man, he's like a tone setter in those individual drills. He carries himself like a vet. He he doesn't talk like a rookie. He doesn't practice like a rookie. And he is like full go every time he's moving up and down the line. And I know it's pajama season, as Dan Campbell said, but he is getting in the backfield. He is pushing the issue. I mean, as much as you can with the, the light pad, no pads on. He looks fantastic. The great workouts, great individual drills, great seven on seven in the team stuff. I, I understand maybe it's boring and maybe that's expected of the second overall pick, but he looks the part every step of the way. I mean, every time I've had a chance to see that guy, it's been impressive. I, I completely agree with you. I get a chuckle too out of the pajama thing. I Dan said that the other day. That's a perfect descriptor for what we're looking at, right? Because these guys aren't in pads. I, I find personally, Ben, I don't know if, this, if you feel this way too or not, you know, I, I have a better like feel for quarterbacks, receivers, corners to some extent this time of year, because what they're doing maybe translates a little bit better to what happens when the pads come on. Obviously it's a different game then too, but you're still throwing the ball, catching the ball, running routes, covering routes and that stuff translates from pajama season to, to padded season. A little bit hard with the with the line then, which obviously is Aiden Hutchinson. And yet I agree with you. I mean, everything he does on the field is impressive. Everything he does on the field fits the part of a number two overall pick. And I bet you could say that for some number two picks or number one picks or, or whatever high draft picks over the years who did not work out. So this is not some guarantee that Aiden Hutchinson knows punching his ticket to, to Canton or anything. But having said that, like you can only win the rep that's in front of you and that's what he's doing. The motor, which is we heard so much about when he was in Michigan is evident, as you said, it, it, like the guy doesn't quit, like Dan Campbell goes home and is bragging about Aiden Hutchinson to his wife. Like, I think that, that, that I think that's telling that the Lions are getting so far what they expected. You know, Aaron Glenn on, on Draft Night called it a true fit. And as I wrote this week on MLive, like it's something that remains evident. The fit between Aiden Hutchinson, the person and the player with this team, organization, culture, you name it, 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 it's working together. It's flowing. Let's just cut to Dan Campbell real quick. I thought he was pretty good yesterday on the final day of mini camp regarding Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's, um, he's been all business and, uh, I told my wife this last night, and I was like, you know what's what's great about him is he just is quietly getting better right in front of us. He's just he doesn't say he doesn't say anything. He listens. Uh, he's like a sponge in there. He absorbs the information. He watches how uh, things are done and the and the way coaches want them done. And then he's got a motor and he goes and he just learns and gets better every day. You just see it. And uh, and so uh, I love that about him. He just. Every day, man, there's growth right in front of us. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we've seen too. He's just a guy who's getting better, better. And, you know, the day that stands out most to me was, I, I forget which round of OTAs was. It might have been the first one that we saw 
the first OTA practice that we saw. And again, Aiden Hutchinson's going against backups as they, you know, ramp him up to what's going to be expected of him this season. So you would expect him to win, but like he goes out there and they're in a two situation and he has a sack from the interior on one play. Next rep, they bounce him outside, sack. Next play, sack. And he made the guy look ridiculous. And again, the guy was from Ferris State and probably won't be playing in the NFL this season. But this is what you want to see from the number two overall pick. Who knows, you know, what Aiden Hutchinson will be this year, three years from now. But so far, so good and and really impressive from the number two overall pick. No, for sure. And it's just like some of those matchups with uh, the big guy from Texas Christian with just like the most insane long arms I've ever seen. I mean, that's what. I remember I played defensive end in this time of year without the pads on. You feel weird going full bore. This guy doesn't look like he has any issues going 100% pinning his ear backs and going. I just, seeing how he worked, I mean, a lot of the concerns with his short arms, and he's going against the longest arm guy on the team, and I know it's an undrafted cat out of TCU, but seeing how he was able to work the leverage, get under those arms, and still get in the backfield, I mean, like you said, that's the kind of stuff. That's all we can look for in that position group this time of year. Yeah, exactly. All right. Second guy that's impressed us, we'll flip to the offense, keep some balance here, I guess. Jared Goff, you know, I, I, I don't know, we, we could like, I, I just think sometimes it's, it's important to keep things simple. And like, if you're going to win football games, you need, you need plus play from the quarterback position. I mean, that's just a reality in, in today's NFL. There's a lot to, that, that's been said about Jared Goff, right? You know, the, where his ceiling is, which is not that high. You put enough talent around him and the guy, you know, can play some competent football. And we saw that in LA, although not so much in recent years. And he gets traded to, to the Lions with a bunch of draft picks. You know, I think we were all expecting to downgrade that position. And that's what the Lions got. But down the stretch, there were flickers where maybe he was starting to figure it out, starting to get a little more comfortable. And I feel like we're seeing more of that comfort this offseason. And I, I think you have to point out that the talent at receivers is also much better. So you would expect an uptick in his play. But yeah, we're seeing the uptick, Ben. What have you seen from Jared Goff here through, you know, OTAs and, and minicamp? I just remember getting our first look at him last year and thinking, oh my goodness, this is such a downgrade. Because I just, I think it was you and I having a conversation watching Jared Goff throw. It's like, hey, you remember that noise the ball made when Matthew Stafford would throw it? And nothing happens when Goff throws it. But this year, like you said, I think it's the upgrades at wide receiver. And I think it is the comfort level. Because with Jared Goff, I think comfort is really important for him. You know, his head seems to be in the right place. It seems like he he's comfortable with Ben Johnson. He's comfortable with Dan Campbell. He's looking around at his receiver corpse. He's looking around at DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson and thinking, okay, I can get this done here. I mean, yesterday, seven on seven drills, two minute drill down nine. I mean, he looked like on another planet compared to the other two quarterbacks on the roster, immediately down the seam, a nice long seam ball, a beautiful ball to Josh Reynolds over the shoulder, and then bang, a touchdown to 84 Shane Zilstra. And it's just three for three. And that took like 45 seconds. It's just like Dan Campbell said, and I'll say it, I don't see red flags with Jared Goff right now. He looks like a crisp, clean and confident quarterback. And that's not what he looked like last year. And I'm not saying the guy's going to take him to the Super Bowl or make a Pro Bowl, but I think this is a guy that can, he's proven he can win games. He's proven he can lead an efficient offense when he's comfortable, when he has weapons, when he trusts his coaches, when he trusts his coordinators. And I think right now we're, we're seeing that out of him. He's taking shots that he might not take in the game and he's hitting them this time of year. And I think that is important for him because I mean, he's looked crisp. 
he's looked athletic and he's looked really comfortable when they are mixing in that tempo when they're coming out of the huddle quick the backups were having a heck of time just getting the play out of the huddle yesterday it seemed like in golf i mean it's weird to say but he's like this team's best chance at winning this season because if he goes down it's going to be a disaster on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback the the word that stands out to me with jared goff and you just said it there ben uh, i said it earlier but it's comfort and he was not comfortable in the first half of last year and 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 can't blame him i mean there's a massive downgrade at receiver. They didn't really invest in that position. I know Amon Rock came on down the stretch, but he was a rookie fourth-round pick. You couldn't really expect much out of him. The investments they did make at receiver in Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, they played a combined two quarters for this team last year. It, it was a mess. It was a total catastrophe at that position for a team that was in rebuild mode anyway. That was with a new offense and a new coordinator that wasn't clicking and in rhythm with Jared Goff. I mean, that was pretty evident from the start between Anthony Lynn and Jared Goff. So of course he didn't look comfortable. Of course he he, he struggled because they knew where to go with the football. No one's open down the field, which tightens everything in the box. Uh, you know, like the running game was the strength last year. They couldn't really run that that effectively, especially in the first half with some of these struggles that were going on. Jared Goff was an uncomfortable quarterback. And we saw more comfort once Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell took over things in the second half of the year. He was like a top three rated quarterback in his last, I don't know, three, four starts, five starts, somewhere in there. And now you have Ben Johnson taking over the offense full time. And that's a guy he had a lot of rhythm and comfort with, you know, down the stretch last year. And I want to, I want to play this clip because I think it really shed a lot of light on, on why we're seeing better play from Jared Goff and maybe offer some hope for this offense and for Jared Goff going forward. This really stood out to me this offseason. So here, here's Ben Johnson talking his relationship and, and the formulation of this offensive scheme with Jared Goff. I've got a really strong relationship with, with Jared right now. And one of my top priorities personally is to is to help him have the best season of his career. Um, one thing that we've done is included him a lot in what we're trying to do schematically. And so we spent some time this offseason watching more of the stuff of what he did a few years ago in LA and how can we incorporate some of that um, uh, while also challenging him to take the next step and some, some areas of improvement for him as a player as well. So. Uh, He's having a good offseason, though. Really, really encouraged with where he is, too. So, yeah, Ben, I like that, I think it's out to both of us because it's such a contrast to how this thing was developed last year with Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn, like, I mean, it was a slow, methodical offense. You know, it, it didn't take shots downfield. You know, it, it, more than anything, like I said, like, Goff was left out of the process a little bit and put him in some bad spots, un uncomfortable spots to open last year. And now you now he's got a coordinator who's like, hey, Jared, let's watch some film together. Let's talk about what you did last year, what you did in LA, what's worked for you in the NFL, what makes, what plays you like, what plays you don't like, like what you're looking for on this particular route and so on. And using that intel, to devise an offense that's conducive to the quarterback, that the quarterback is comfortable with, that the quarterback has some ownership of. It, it kind of reminds me what the Lions were doing in Matthew Stafford's final couple of seasons in Detroit. And Stafford played his best football in Detroit in those years. So I don't think Jared Goff, you know, is going to make the Pro Bowl or anything this year. I don't think he's going to carry the Lions to some place this roster. I, I don't think he's going to, like, lead this roster to a place it wouldn't otherwise go to. He's not that kind of quarterback. But as we saw in L.A., put enough talent around him, enough comfort in his game, and, and he can win you games. He can certainly not lose you games. And I think 
that's where the Lions are trending. I think we're seeing a real uptick in, in golf this offseason because he's looked to me pretty damn good here through what they've uh, done on the field so far. Yeah, we got to talk to him earlier this week. And I mean, he straight up said, I'm in year seven now. I feel like I've earned having a voice on the offense. The quote that sticks out to me is like, Ben Johnson was genuinely curious about how I wanted this offense to look, how I wanted to run this offense. And he's saying he's already seeing it. Like he's already seeing on the field. They're doing things he suggested. So he knew it wasn't fake. There's not much more we can say. I mean, golf sounds comfortable. And that is so important for him. He's starting to feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like last year he's coming in and Matthew Stafford's shadow. He would never say that. He felt like, I don't know, if it, I, maybe outsider is not the right word, but this year it kind of is like, this is my team. This is my offense, at least right now. And he sounds very pleased with that. And I mean, a happy, comfortable Jared Goff is the best version of Jared Goff that you're going to get. Well put. Okay, number three on our little list here. And again, these aren't in any particular order. We're just rattling off the five guys that stood out to us. So we just talked about Goff and how much better he's looking and, and comfortable. And as we said, that that's partly a function of the upgrading talent receiver. It's remarkable to me, Ben, because we have not seen the biggest investment, Jamison Williams. They like, you know, they traded up for that, that pick 12. And DJ Chark, they gave $10 million to. And he, I think, took part in one day of mini camp. Didn't see much out of him. And yet, the talent at receiver was still really good. And a big reason for that was these guys who are at the very end. I mean, like Quintez Cephas, right? Like he, he's a guy who stood out to us. He makes this, this list. Quintez Cephas last year, like in the first month of the year, was basically this team's number one receiver because of the injuries and the attrition and everything else. Nine months later, 10 months later, this guy is fighting for the final spot in a six-man rotation. Like that to me just really speaks to the upgrade in talent at that position. And then you've got Quintus Cephas out there doing some really, really good things, especially downfield, on the sideline. And I, I mean, he had the catch of the offseason program, which was like a spinning one-handed grab with his left hand. I think he's right-handed and he caught it with his left hand for a touchdown. Good stuff from, I think really speaks to the upgrade the Lions have at that position. Again, Ben, what have you you've seen from Quintez that has stood out to you? That he's actually playing to what his athletic profile suggested. He's a strong receiver. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he can go up. I mean, his vertical jump and his strengths are the best thing about him. And it's just that, like that play you mentioned, I was sitting on the bleachers for that one. And all of a sudden you just see a hand raise above the defenders and he's spinning and brings it in. And Chris Burke's next to me. He's like, God, that was with his left hand. And I mean, I'm looking at the replay on the side screen right now. He's confident and he's like, he's going up and making plays. And I mean, he's going to have to keep doing that to really solidify his spot. But it's like you said, it's so weird to be talking about wide receiver six, Quintez Cephas, because this was a guy last year that you said was forced up to the depth chart, finally started showing some things early in the season before that injury. But I mean, he was a playmaker every single time he was out there. I mean, he was the only guy Blau could complete a pass to yesterday, it seemed like. I mean, he's doing it inside. He's doing it deep. He's doing it across the middle. He's doing it down the seam and he's doing it in the red zone. It's going to be really hard to keep that guy off the roster, or out, off the field, at least in some rotational looks if you playing like this i'm not saying he's going to be starting or anywhere cracking into that number four spot but that's an interesting there's there's not another guy with that athletic profile on this team he's not the tallest he's not the fastest but it's really easy to see him having a role in the red zone in certain spots and in certain looks maybe getting a look or two a game or something like that because there's just not guys that make plays like that i mean he's a leaper it's just weird to see a guy that's not that fast be that strong with a near 40-inch vertical, and it's it's just really nice to see a confident Cephas out there just because I think he was a fourth-round pick two or three years ago. Like you said, I mean, he's the standout of the week. If, if somebody was making a play that had teammates rushing over to congratulate him, it was Cephas these last three or four days. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on how well he's 
practice. I, I maybe disagree a little bit on like what I forecast for his, his role this season. I, I don't know if the problem with Quintas Cephas and, and also Trinity Benson for that matter, you know, another guy in that battle for the last spot at, at receiver, but is also making plays during camp is like, there's, there's just so much talent at that position. Certainly once Jamison Williams comes back and maybe before then, maybe Quintas Cephas, a guy like him will have more opportunities, but once Williams is back and in the fold and and, you know, up to speed with the offense. I just don't know where the snaps come from because Jamison Williams isn't coming off the field. DJ Tark's not coming off the field. Amon Ross Ross Brown's not coming off the field. And by the way, they still have Josh Reynolds, who like was their best receiver last year on the outside, you know? So like, it's a good problem to have. I mean, that that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, how many sixth receivers in the NFL are making one-handed spinning touchdowns in the, in the end zone, you know? Like it's, this is a good problem to have as a guy who's making plays, who has that kind of capability, like who's going to be at the end of your bench. You know, it's a good problem for the Lions to have. It, I, I just don't know if Cephas has necessarily a, a path that like some sizable role in the offense. Yeah, his path is going to be if, you know, if Jamison Williams isn't ready before that early buy, like if that's the path they take, if JMO misses the first month of the season, that's obviously going to be his chance to make the most impact. It's just like you said, it's, it's really hard to see plays like that continuously and think, gosh, it's this guy's something, but great problem to have. I mean, we were sitting here a year ago thinking, my God, who is Jared Goff going to throw the ball to? And it was Quinto Cephas. <laughs> you remarkable, Ben. You're right. so right, man. It's it's remarkable to, to like. I'm sorry, but to watch the dog shit that we ever watched, like, <laughs> especially once Tyrell Williams suffered his 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 injury, his brain injury in in the first game. I mean, Rashad Perriman was terrible. It was so bad they gave a bunch of money and they cut him anyway, coming out of camp because he was so bad. Then Williams goes down in week one, and so then your outside receiver. I mean, Khalif Raymond, who's like I don't know, five foot eight, maybe five foot nine. I, I don't know. I don't have the roster for me, but he's a little guy. And listen, he did some good things last year, but that guy is a slot receiver. That like like they were using him because they had nobody else. They were using Khalif Raymond, who's five foot eight, five foot nine, on the outside as their like top guy down the field. And credit to Khalif Raymond because he actually made some plays and and outperformed, I think, our our expectations for him. But there, he has no business playing that kind of role. He's not an ex receiver in the NFL. And yet, because of like the total lack of bodies and talent at that position, he was thrown out there, you know, Trinity Benson, who like should have been on a practice squad someplace was like starting games at one point for this team. Like, and he was so bad that he became, he was basically a healthy scratch, like half the season. And to go from that, Ben, to nine months later, we're talking about Quintez Cephas making one-handed grabs and his competition for the last job on the team. And maybe not even seeing the field when he was like starting on Monday Night Football last year is just a telltale of the remarkable work that Brad Holmes has done at that position in the last year. No, exactly. I think it was really interesting just hearing Dan Campbell talk about Cleef Raymond earlier. It's just kind of like, this is not going to be in every down wide receiver this year. That's just another instance of what you were just saying. I mean, Khalif was a starting wide receiver for this team last year. Now it's like, yeah, he's going to be our punt and kick returner with a couple special looks on offense. It's just, like you said, just hats off to Brad Holmes for completely 180-ing that conversation at receiver. Good stuff. All right, let's flip, flip it back to the defense for these last two. First up, Aleem McNeil, a.k.a. Twinkle Toes, a.k.a. The Dancing Bear, a.k.a. Mac. What was the new one they came up with this week? Buttercup. Buttercup, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a great sign probably that, you know, like the more nicknames you have, the more that you're probably beloved by your coaching staff. And Aline McNeil is beloved by this coaching staff. You know, I, I remember on draft night, Ben, you know, it's day two, the Lions take Aline McNeil and remember how visibly 
pissed off the Eagles were, who were, who had, they were next up, they were on deck on the, you know, on the clock and the Lions took them and they were pissed and Elaine McNeil gets her. I think the Lions had good expectations for him, but I think he, even the Lions and, and uh, their expectations by how like athletic he was and how good he was right away. First day of camp, he was in the starting lineup, this, this third round pick, which you sometimes see happen, but not always. And uh, I think we were pretty surprised to see that good player last year, much, much more is expected of him this year. You know, he's said he's like slimmed out, like he's about the same weight, but like, you know, more muscle, I guess, stronger. He's pound for pound, the strongest guy on the team or Dan Campbell. And I believe it, as we said before, it's a little bit harder to discern line play this time of year because there's you know they're not wearing pads so it's just a totally different ball game but i think well first of all he looks good out there and looks fit but second of all the lions are reorienting their defensive philosophy you know going from odd man fronts last year to more even man fronts this year with a more attacking style pass rush you just have to listen to all the players and how much they love this revamped philosophy to know how well it's you know it's, it's being <laughs> like they want to get for the quarterback they want to be attacking and so this is what they want to do and they're embracing it. Talk to the coaches and they say the reason they're doing this is to take better advantage of the skill sets they have in Allen Park, even though it's maybe not what Aaron Glenn is like most comfortable with. He just knows that this is the best scheme for the, you know, the players they have. And they've specifically mentioned Aline McNeil and what he can do on the interior and on the nose as an athletic pass rusher. They can bounce him outside. They think they have something special in this guy. They think that this new defense like bring out the best in everyone. But Aline McNeil is the name we keep hearing that, you know, is kind of behind this whole scheme change and philosophy change up front. It'll be, it'll be interesting, Ben, to see what McNeil does this year, because it sure seems like they're like building a defense around this. Yeah, absolutely. I wrote about old Buttercup earlier this week. And I mean, I just have the quote in front of me, Aaron Glenn, when, when we had him a couple of weeks ago, he said these defensive changes based on more players instead of true scheme. And then adds, take a look at Aleem. And it's just like, absolutely. Look at this guy, six foot two, 330 pounds. And he does like slim down. And I mean, he is I know it's hard to imagine an impressive athlete at that size, but it's just, like you said, I mean, this is a core player. Like Dan Campbell said, this is a core player, and it really feels like they are building this defense around that defensive front and him in the middle of it. I mean, we heard all the things coming into the draft last year, a former outfielder in high school at that size. You know, he was a running back and a linebacker, which is like a terrifying sight to imagine when you see this guy in person. Then you see him move around on the field. I mean, he's catching... He was one of the big guys catching a punt yesterday to end minicamp yesterday. It's just, he's one of those guys that's in a different class of athlete for that size. And he's going to be able to move up and down that line a little more. And I mean, the thing that really impressed me from his rookie year last year was just, I knew he was going to be a good run defender. Later in the season, when he really just started to be able to push the issue from the middle, it's like, this is a pass rusher too. This is a pure athlete. We've, t we've beat the Matt Patricia topic into the head, but trying to fit that square peg into a round hole it's just like that's this is the exact opposite of this coaching staff here they are looking to take full advantage of this third round guy that, that they could potentially build their defense around it's just they hit gold and they're going to build around it they're not just taking the gold they're trying to expand that gold and i think this is a this is a really i, I really don't want to over, oversell this guy but this guy has a really good chance to be something special yeah i mean the investments up front have been considerable from Aiden Hutchinson at number two overall this year to Josh Pascal in the second round, Levi Anzarika in the second round last year. But I can see a situation where Aline McNeil, third round pick last year, is kind of the guy who's leading 
that group. I mean, Hutchinson will be the guy in the pass rush, you know, on the outside, but McNeil is a special kind of athlete and, you know, the, the interior pass rush that he can provide in addition to what he can obviously do against the run, I think is something they're really leaning on and it, it is kind of driving some of their decision-making in terms of the, uh, you know, philosophical changes that are underway on defense. And, you know, we talked to Aleem McNeil this week and Aleem was clearly excited by what's going on. It feels like this defense really suits his skill set. He was saying he hasn't been in an attacking style front like this since his first year at NC State. And he, he was talking about how comfortable it was for him to play inside, to, to bump outside, to unleash on the quarterback as opposed to just occupying gaps. You know, again, this, this is, you know, this is Kool-Aid season. Everyone is in their best shape. Everyone's running the best scheme ever. So you guys just take some of this stuff with a grain of salt. I, I've been around long enough to, to feel like I have a, a BS radar sometimes. And I know that the optimism and the hopes are, are, are for real when it comes to, you know, Aline McNeil and his fit in this like revamped front. He's definitely going to be a guy you're going to see a lot this year. So sticking with the defense and a little bit of a different flavor, Ben, than what we've been talking about so far. Fifth guy who's impressed us in the offseason program is a guy who has not really taken part in the team drills during the offseason program. But Jeff Okuda, he is, I think, Ben, the, the single biggest wild card on this team. Like, he's not the most important guy. That's going to be Goff and Hutchinson and, you know, Penny Sewell, Taylor Decker, guy, I mean, guys who play those premium positions. But Jeff Okuda, like... He was once upon a time the best corner in the country at Ohio State. He was billed as like one of the most polished, surest things at cornerback when he's coming out in the draft. That's why he was drafted higher than anyone else besides Sean Springs as a cornerback in the history of the NFL draft. Obviously, we've we've seen ten games from the guy since you know in the two seasons since, and those games were not particularly good. He's one of the worst corners in the league as a rookie. Only played one game last year because of the Achilles injury. So, man, like Ben, like this guy could be really good because he was really good once upon a time. It's also been a really long time since he was really good. So, you know, like the longer like this goes on, the less likely it becomes that you ever see the guy you thought you were drafting. Huge wild card. But I got to say for a guy who blew out his Achilles, which is maybe the most devastating injury a guy can suffer, he is moving really, really well. And we have seen him throughout the offseason program, but especially during minicamp on back-to-back-to-back days, going through some pretty grueling drills. And on day three, when it was kind of like pretty relaxed, they were doing, as you said, the big man, you know, punt catch and everything. I mean, they're having some, some good times and some, some laughs. Jeff Okuda's on the other field, just busting an ass across the field, doing sprints and change of direction drills. I don't know if he's back to hundred percent, but he athletically looks like he's very, very close to me. And with five, six weeks now before the start of training camp. I think he's very much on track to be, you know, I mean, I don't know if he'll practice on day one of training camp, but I would be shocked at this point not to see Jeff Lukuda in training camp, which of course puts him on course, you know, to, to be potentially available week one. And it's, I think that's a huge thing for him and this team because, you know, the nature of just how much of a wild card he is for this defense. I'm with you. I think he is really on track to be ready for training camp, which is, I mean, they need this. He needs this. When he was over there, he's doing full sprints and then does a spin into backpedal for about 15 yards and then spin back into a full sprint it's like oh this guy's getting close and like you said just seeing him be able to do that i mean he's been in like some of the light install stuff where there's not they're not going to be running into each other in the light stuff and when he's not out there with the team he's on the side running he's on, he's running around the field he's doing those sprints back and forth change of directions like you said and it's just like he's engaged he's engaged as he possibly can be at this point but 
Man, you want to talk about wild cards. It's, it's such a hard player to project because the 10 games we saw was in the disastrous 2020 season. Yeah, he allowed 71% catches on his 56 targets, gave up something like 650 yards and two touchdowns in those 10 games. But, I mean, the dysfunction of that season is hard to ignore. And then, I mean, I remember this time last year, it was like, we're, we're all writing headlines. This is a new man. He's got a new outlook. He's refreshed ready to go and then he tears his Achilles and hasn't played in a year so it's it's really the biggest wild card I mean if you get a Jeff Okuda that is anywhere near the player he was supposed to be coming into the draft even I mean it, it he still feels like a rookie to me you know it's it, like that's what it feels like if he's if he's able to hold hold his own on that field even a little to what he thought he was going to be that's a big get for this team that's a big get for him that's he needs to show that he can still be something for them to keep in the long-term plan something to build around the time's not running out the time is getting concerning, and it's like he's really got to show something this year. I think it all starts. I mean, he needs a training camp. He needs to get over that mental hurdle of running into a guy and not crumbling into the ground, you know, with pads on or without pads on. I mean, the biggest wild card on the team because it's so hard to project what he'll play, how much he'll play, what he'll be able to do. But it's just he, he looks like you said. He looks like he's on track. He looks athletic. He looks good. He's engaged. I mean, he's a, he's looking like a professional out there when he's out there. It's a weird time of year, but that's important to note for a guy like that. I think that the thing that stood out to me about what you just said is the importance of him being out there in training camp. I mean, obviously, for the, the reason that he's just had so few reps in the last, like, calendar year and a half. But additionally, like if, if you talk to people who have gone through an Achilles or you talk to doctors who are involved in this whole process, they always say that the Achilles is like, it's off, at least at this point with where medicine has developed, the actual physical like repair of the Achilles is usually the least of your concerns. It's the mental hurdle that comes with overcoming that, overcoming that injury. I mean, if you talk to guys who have gone through it, they'd say it's almost like a rubber band snapping in your leg which is like, no, thank you. <laughs> like, uh, you can hear it, it. Like if you don't do an NFL stadium, like you can hear, you can hear the injury. It's like, it's like a shotgun going off or rubber band snapping, something like that. I mean, you got this long band in your leg that's just snapping. It curls up into your, I don't know, hamstring area, I guess, something like that. That's the way I understand it anyway. And it robs you of your explosion. I mean, they always say that the thing that comes back quickest in that rehab is your long speed. It's the short speed. It's the quickness, your acceleration that takes longer to come back because you're, you're pushing off of that Achilles in your, in your feet to explode. And it's that mental hurdle of getting, getting over, like being able to explode off your Achilles and being able to trust it, knowing already what it feels like when it snapped. So getting Jeff Okuda out there as soon as possible in training camp to build his confidence in terms of the football is really important after what's, what he's gone through. I mean, he's gone through more adversity than any other guy on this team in the last two years. And he's, you know, he's just had so few reps, but in addition to all of that, just learning to tr trust his body again. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's, that's why I'm so impressed by where he's at already is because he, he is moving super well. It's changing directions super well, better than I was expecting at this stage when he went through the injury last year. And to me, he looks like he's on course to, if not day one of training camp, early in training camp, be ready to, to practice with this team. And that's essential to get him right going into the season. And again, like, the, like they've invested so much in this guy. He's so important to their success. You know, like maybe it'll never work out for him. You know, he's really struggled when he's been out. That's a real possibility. Like it, it really is a possibility that he'll never live up to the 
you know, the billing of a first round pick, much less a, a third overall pick. But if he does turn it around and does become that kind of guy, man, what a boost it would be for a team that's already added another two overall pick and Aiden Hutchinson and all the other talent across that, that side of the field. And you got young guys like AJ Parker and Jerry Jacobs who are on the rise. Amani Awarie is back at cornerback. Tracy Walker is back in the back end of the... I, I mean, like the defense starts to look very different if you get a Jeff Okuda that starts to look like the guy they thought they were drafting. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it just, like you said, that would be such a coup to have the third overall pick, like from the previous regime, either come in and contribute. I mean, he said it himself and everyone that's had that injury is like you just said, it's the mental aspect and just knowing that you can change directions with a guy on you, knowing you can, you know, get into your sprint quicker without going to the turf. I mean, that's the steps he needs to get over. And that's why training camp's possible for him. Because I remember I had a teammate at Davenport that had an injury. And there was a dude that I trained with wrestling in Canada that had that injury. And they both explained it the same way. You hear the rubber band snap and it feels like somebody took a baseball bat to the back of your calf and then ran away. So it's like, that's just think about that for a second. Then you're out there on an NFL field trying to change directions, try to do the things that got you hurt in the first place. I mean, that's a big mental hurdle. And like training camp isn't everything, but I it, it's close to everything for that guy this year. He needs to get the confidence up. He needs to get over that mental hurdle because, I mean, that is a wild card. Just an absolute wild card. And like I already said, if he's anything close to the prospect that we thought he was going to be, that is such a big boost to this defense that should already be better this year. That's that's a guy that was supposed to be a press coverage maven. I mean, you add a press coverage guy like that to an attacking defense, that's a that's a beautiful marriage. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, I'm not ruling the kid out yet. Well put, well put. So yeah, with that said, I mean, I, th I think that was a good offseason for the Lions, the, the offseason program. They do have one more round of OTAs next week, but they have dismissed veterans. I mean, they can stick around if they want, but really it's going to be for rookies and developmental players. That basically means just guys who are like, you know, want to stick around and work with the coaching staff, maybe impress the coaching staff, have something to earn. But most of the, most of the veterans will be out of town. This was certainly the last week for the full squad. And I think there are real reasons for optimism. I, I don't know if I'm sipping the Kool-Aid quite as hard as like Mina Kimes or some of these people who are like, you know, just crushing all over the Lions. But like massive improvement is I think expected at this point. I, I think I picked nine nine and eight in my game by game predictions when the schedule came out and those game by game picks are, you know, it's a crapshoot this time of year, but I, I do stand by my overall prediction that this to me looks like a 500 if they stay healthy. And I, I think that like a push for a wild card spot is possible, you know, with some luck and they have a schedule that sets them up for some luck, you know, if they can stay healthy and yeah, a lot of guys are impressive, Ben. And I, I think the, uh, the hope and optimism people keep hearing about out of Allen Park no, at this point is, is warranted. No, for sure. And I had them at nine wins too. And I remember I just did a Serious XM hit last week and they were saying, oh, we got a homer on our hands here. And I'm like, well, let's go through the schedule. And I had them both like, all right, nine. I mean, the Nash, I mean, it's, we're not saying they're going to win the Super. We're not getting, saying they're going to supplant Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in year one. But like you said, the back half of that schedule, if this team can stay healthy, keep that offensive line healthy, keep Jared Goff confident and comfortable. I mean, there's no reason this team shouldn't be able to push for a wild card spot with the expanded playoff. And the direction of the NFC North outside of Green Bay. If my memory serves me, it, it might not because it's June 10th <laughs> and my brain is already on the summer break. But if my, if my if my memory serves me, I think we both picked four wins last year. So we're certainly not homers. 
And of course, the NFL can surprise anyone. We're looking at a team that's much improved. The personnel is much better. There's buy-in with the coaching staff. There's rapport and chemistry. Who knows what will happen? You know, surprises always happen in the NFL. We're not guaranteeing anything. Of course, injuries can always change the paradigm too. But on this very early day in the year, there's a lot to be legitimately hopeful for. And with that, Ben, we can shove off to the summer break. I think the podcast will probably be on hiatus until July. Ben, what's your... What's your big plan for the summer? You know, I'm just trying to figure out a move here. My girlfriend's a Knight Wallace fellow at the University of Michigan this year, so we got to figure out a way to get her a little closer to Ann Arbor and keep me within driving distance of these parts. And uh, week off the grid in the UP, spend a week on the pontoon with the family, and uh, try and get out to Denver or something to visit the other girlfriend's family too. We, we're, tr- we're trying to work on some plans. You know, I slipped out late last month from Miami Beach for a week, and that was pretty hey, heavenly. Hey. Pretty heavenly. And you've got some major plans. Yeah, yeah. I'm flying to Spain next week and spend some time there. And then I, I lived in Berlin for a little while. I got a bunch of friends out there. So I'm going to Berlin for like a month or so. And uh, I'm very thankful for understanding bosses who are like, yeah, it's been a tough couple of years. Why don't you take some time this summer and get yourself right for for the year? And I'm very thankful for that because it's been, it has been a hard year for both of us, you know, hard couple of years. And it'd be nice to get away and reset and refresh heading into a big year, man. I, I, I really think that there's a lot to be hopeful for. And I'm really curious to see you know, how this team plays for Dan Campbell. I'm, I'm Real curious to see Aiden Hutchinson. I'm real curious to see Jamison Williams because that guy can fly and seeing his fit in this offense. I mean, you saw Ben, right? The reaction in the draft room when the Lions did their like inside the den this week and shout out to the the video staff with the Lions because they always do tremendous work. But Brad Holmes literally just pounding the table so hard that a binder fell to the ground when the Saints took Chris Olave instead of Jamison Williams. And I'm, I'm I'm excited to see all that stuff. But after a break. <laughs> Absolutely. Cannot wait to delete Microsoft Teams and close the computer and throw it into a hole for a month without question. Oh, yeah. I'm going way off the grid. It's going to be great. All right, Ben. I'll see you on this other side, man. Have a great summer. Yes, sir. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.